Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast. Terry DuPont is the founder of DuPont Advisory Group, a group dedicated to providing comprehensive services to successful business owners, medical, and other professionals. Terry has top-of-the-table status in the prestigious International Million Dollar Roundtable, placing him among the top one-tenth of 1% of all professional financial advisors in the world. Terry's philosophy is, I've learned that I grow and prosper more by focusing on the success of others rather than fretting over my own. Terry is a certified financial professional with the Institute of Financial Wellness, an advisor for the power of zero taxes in retirement, chartered retirement plans specialist, certified wealth preservation planner, and certified philanthropic developer. On the podcast, Terry brings together experts in their field who have succeeded in building their business to share their secrets with you. And now, here's your host, Terry DuPont. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, glad you're back. Uh, we've uh, you know, we got the regular audience for most of you and uh, any newcomers. Great to see you. Great to have you. I'm Terry DuPont, your host of Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. And today, uh, I'm honored uh, to have uh, Aaron Kraft, who's a CPA in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, he is the founder and owner of uh, Luminary CPAs. And so, Aaron, uh, welcome to have you. Uh, great to see you. Um, welcome. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate the introduction. Really excited to uh, for our conversation today. Okay, great, great, great. Um, Aaron, just to get started, uh, can you tell me a little bit about you and why and why why you started your career? Yeah, so I kicked off my career in in accounting. That's my background. That's my degree. Um, got a, a degree in accounting at Purdue University, and immediately after college, I got my CPA. Sat for my CPA exam and went through that process. And I kicked off my career um, in Big Four accounting at a public accounting firm, Ernst and Young. And I was there for a couple of years. And for any of you who uh, don't know much about public accounting, it's it's a pretty brutal introduction to your career. It's not your, you know, cushy forty-hour week, nine to five, you know, hour-long lunch. It is. Um, it's it's challenging. It's difficult. You're really thrown right into it. Thrown to the wolves immediately. And that's the whole idea. Like you know what to expect. You know you know it's going to be this challenge when you go into it. So I went into it fully knowing what it was going to be. And that was the intention. The intention was to gain a bunch of experience in different industries right off the bat. I think that's why a lot of people take this route. You you really see everything you're working. So I was specifically in an audit and um, working in Indianapolis and you're put on multiple different engagements, working in multiple different industries. So I was able to work within in, in the real estate industry, pharmaceutical manufacturing and it's you know these businesses operate in very different ways from like largest pharmaceutical company in the world to a very small manufacturing company in the middle of nowhere so like you see a very broad spectrum of companies and you you get a lot of experience very quickly so that's where I started. Um, and the intentions weren't to, you know, go in all in there, stay, take the partner route, which some people do that. But for me, it was more so getting that exposure, which I, I got, and it was, it was a great experience. It was very challenging, but looking back, I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm -hmm. So after there being there for a couple of years, 
that's when I started to value, okay, what, what do I really want to do? What do I, what do I want my career to be? And what I found the most interest in at, at the time was the, I guess, the health field, the medical field, that that type of, of work, um, being working for the pharmaceutical company and having family who was heavily involved in the medical field. I always had an interest in that. I always knew the lingo and I uh, knew what people were talking about, and I was interest, interested in how the process worked on the financial side. So that's the, the route I took. I, I got a financial analysis role in India at a large hospital there and spent um, over three years working there. And then, you know, in the back of my head, this this whole time as a, um, you know, I, I I guess I originally never thought of myself as, you know, an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's probably, the, the, I guess, the label for it. I never considered myself an entrepreneur. But, you know, sitting through these two careers, these two jobs, in the back of my head, I always, like, I just, I didn't feel content with what I was doing. I didn't feel at home um, or I didn't, I had a hard time finding purpose in my work, I guess, is a better way to explain it. Um, I really wanted to do something, something more, something that I, was passionate about something that I could have more control over when, when you are in these larger organizations, I, I have this, you know, fix it mindset where if I see something that doesn't look right or can be improved upon, I always want to provide some suggestions on how to make it better. I just a continuous improvement is kind of how my brain works for, for better or for worse. And it's hard to do that in a large, large organization, no matter where you are on, on the totem pole, it's hard to make any changes. It's, it's very slow to change. Mm -hmm. So that is when I started to have the idea of, a, a, you know, I think taking the route of a business owner um, and doing my own thing sounds really appealing. It's, it's what my father did and um, and does. And it's what something I, you know, considered doing at that time. And a door opened um, three years into that job which um, aligned perfectly with my career as a, as a CPA to be this, this tax firm. It was a, a small side tax practice starting out. And it was a, you know, a family friend who we knew who started this firm originally. And he it turned into something bigger than he could take on with his current job. So I stepped in to, to manage the firm and eventually become the owner of the firm and um, take it from there. So that's kind of a long-winded answer as to where things started and how I got to uh, owning and managing Luminary CPA. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, it sounds like you've you've had a lot of things uh, come at you over time. Um, what would you say your biggest challenge is that you faced? Yeah, that uh, is, um, I think, quite a few. I'd say. I think um, one of them specifically in the past couple of years being a business owner now i think one one challenge that entrepreneurs and business owners constantly face is whether to you know to bring on or say no to to new ventures there's always there's endless opportunities to do new things whether that's like a new service line a new you know, marketing campaign and changing your website changing your messaging there's a million different paths you can take with your business and as a business owner, you're, you're never content with where things are. You always want it to be better and learning to say no to things. I think it is the hardest thing. You're always going to be given opportunities. You're always going to have things that you can do differently and learning to say no and learning which ones to 
to ride out. I think that is, that's the biggest challenge. And the biggest thing I've, I've really learned over the years, just the power of that and um, sticking to what, you know, what you know, what you're good at, what you want your vision to be and not letting these outside, um, you know, these outside sources affect what you want the, the outcome to eventually be. Over 47 years, I've felt your pain many times. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. I'm sure there's more to come with that. I, Not to test my age. That's how long I've been, <laughs> I'm doing. So, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, I'm sure you can attest to it. And, and would you say that uh, most of your clients are business owners or individuals, families? Um, yeah, we work primarily with business owners. It started out um, geared towards individuals. And something I'm passionate about is working with business owners um, working with, you know, in my auditing days, working with these smaller businesses, like seeing where they started and what they turned into, and then just personally interacting with small business owners throughout my, throughout my life. I really, you know, like being around those people and seeing somebody with a small idea turn into something good and helping them along the way. And taxes are finances in general, but taxes specifically are those people's biggest headache. You know, they, when you're running a business, the last thing you have time to worry about is, all the other things that don't have to do with your business. Like you're focused on your business, growing it. Ideally, you can just, the financing, set that aside, the taxes, set that aside and not have to stress about that too. It's just another stressor. So being able to take that off of their plate and optimize their taxes is something that um, I really appreciate and enjoy working with those types of people. Do you think, or would you say that uh, uh, your beginnings at Ernst & Young uh, was a lot what allowed you to become an expert with business owners, or at least uh, you know a beginning of that. Yeah, no question, no question. Um, when you're when you're there, you're interacting with people at all levels. So you're like I said, you're you're kind of thrown to the wolves. So even there, my first year, you know, I was working on with a big real estate company down in Indianapolis. Like you're put in front of the um the cfo and i'm i'm like as a year one coming out of college i'm i'm there presenting something to the cfo and it's like you you need to be able to articulate well you need to be able to communicate these ideas um complex ideas in a way that are simple not that they can't understand it at that level but um it's things that you know we see on our end that we want to um consolidate into a concise idea and deliver it to them and that's what really taxes are all about taxes are complex they're constantly changing and people who are, aren't in the field, it's very hard to distill what, what is right, what is wrong, um, especially with the social media. There's so much mixed information out there. Mm -hmm. So taking these concepts that are complex and distilling them into something simple and delivering it to the business owner, definitely a skill that I developed and um, was able to fine tune during my time in public accounting. Okay, great, great. Um, how long have you had your own practice now? I've been the owner for a year at this point now. But you were working with the, when you, how, when did you start at that practice? I guess I should say. Um, it was about, about a year and a half. Um, I worked for about six months, uh, you know, not, not full time, more, more so on the side. And mm -hmm. then, um, at that point became the manager and partner by, by, by buying into the firm. Okay. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? Hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent question. <laughs> I think, um, you know, this job dealing with, with people 
day in and day out, just knowing how much uh, of it is is relational. Like, yes, when you think of a CPA, you don't, you don't necessarily think of a, of a relational type person, um, which is a, a big a, a issue with the industry. They, they, for the most part, mainly true. CPAs aren't necessarily the, the type to be known as a relational person, but that's really what it comes down to. That's, that's a huge part of the business of, you know, feeling their pain points. Like they're, you know, no one wants to pay, have a $10,000 tax bill. So feeling their pain points, being able to empathize with them is really a huge part of it. It's not just learning the tax code and applying the tax code. That's, that's one part of it, but being able to empathize with these, especially with the business owners when that's, that's their livelihood. It has such a significant impact on their life and being able to be at their side and help walk them through these challenging situations is it's, it's huge. And I think, you know, I, I was able to learn that quickly, but I, I wish kind of going into it, I knew that right off the bat that, you know, it's, it's more than just more, it's more than just numbers. Uh, you're dealing with, with unique individuals and getting to know them at a personal level right off the bat is, um, is really, is a huge game changer and a huge part of the job. Excellent. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> Is there something uh, that you share uh, by chance with each and every client that you have? Something you feel they all need to know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the one thing for clients, specifically business owners, is, is starting with the end in mind. You know, it's easy to have this business and just take it day by day and not really know where it's going. And I think that's very common for business owners. Like there's so much on their plate. They're just taking it day by day. But if you don't look at where you want this to be in five, 10, 20 years, it's hard to know, like, are you doing the right, are you taking the right steps today to, to be where you want to be? Like, are you looking to sell this firm in five years? Are you looking to sell it in 20 years? Are you looking to hand it over to your kids in, in 10, 20 years? There's huge tax implications and financial implications in all of that. So, and just, just personal, you know, the desire to grow it as well. I mean, implications of all kind when you know what you're going to do with it. So I think I, that's one thing I like to do with my you know initial call with clients is where, where do you see this going? Where, where did it start and where do you want it to be in, in five, 10 years? And a lot of people have never thought of it, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising, but at the same time I get it because I, I was kind of in the same spot too. Like I, I you know, I, I immediately didn't think about where I wanted this to be. Um, it's hard so, times when you got that grind going every day, right? Exactly. Exactly. You get, you just get in this, in this mindset of, yeah, of the grind. And it's like, there's what's, when are you going to stop or when are you going to feel content? Like you have to have, have goals and, you know, establish what, what you want the outcome to be. It makes, it really makes, I think it makes your job a lot more enjoyable. I think if you're stuck in that grind, you kind of, you can burn out easily, but when you have a goal in mind of what you want it to become, I think it makes, it does make the work more enjoyable and um, I think that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you provide an, a, 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 an example of a successful strategy um, that you've implemented for a client that had a significant impact on their uh, financial position? Yeah. So the one that's the most common, usually where we start with business owners is looking at their entity structure. Um, you know, what type of business they are. Are they just like a sole proprietorship, a partnership, an S corporation, C corporation? There's a lot of different strategies on which one you want to do and what you are, what you're doing, um, how many partners you have, how big your company is. So depending on your unique scenario, 
whichever one you're in is going to have a big implication on your taxes. So that's kind of step one is figuring out, okay, how many owners are there? What's your revenue? And taking it from there. So most often we, we do see people who, some people don't even have an LLC established. They're just they're just Schedule C filing as a disregarded entity. Uh, and you know that's great for people starting out. But once you start making 100, 200, 300,000, it's time to, to formalize things a little bit more. So uh, most recently, that, that's kind of a situation we went through, uh, making substantial money for a, for a sole proprietorship. So switching that into um, creating an LLC and having them be taxed as an S corporation, mm -hmm. getting them on payroll at a reasonable compensation and saving significant portions of self-employment taxes each and every year. That's, that's what's I love about that strategy of becoming an S corporation. Like um, those savings aren't just like a one-time savings like that. That's some tax strategies have just a one-time savings. This is recurring every year. You're going to save those dollars in self-employment tax. And it can be, it can really add up quickly. Now there are some people are who hear about it on social media and say, Oh, I want, I want to be an S corp. Like, and then I see, you know, what they're earning and it's like, well, it may not make sense for you right now. Um, Cause there are added costs to be an S corporation. You're going to have to run payroll. You're going to have to have an additional tax return. Um, it's the bookkeeping is a little bit more complex because you have equity involved now if you have especially if you have partners you have equity transactions going on so you'd want to hire a reliable bookkeeper so there are added costs to it um, and that's something we we run the analysis to make sure do like do the tax savings offset all your added costs and when when they do that's usually the time it, it makes sense to switch over do, do you and your team your partners um um when it comes to as a working together as a team, can you share some key principles or philosophies uh, that might uh, guide your approach to handling clients, uh, taxes, and financial books at the highest standard? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of our, you know, people throw around core values all the time. When you hear you hear big corporations having their core values, but then like you you don't see them lived out, and I think that's that's a a frustration <laughs> for a lot of people. So. You know, we, we've established core values and um, we wanted to be things that we we truly live out and think about on a daily basis. So the number one we have um, is extreme ownership. And it comes from, I don't know if you know who Jocko Willink is. He's a, he's a U.S. Um, Navy SEAL who, you know, he, he's written a few books now, but he, he coined this topic or this um, phrase extreme ownership, meaning in any situation, if, if something goes wrong, like as especially as as the owner of the firm, like you're you're fully responsible. Um, if if something you know, if an employee messed up somewhere and it affects the client, like that, don't hold the the employee responsible. Like the owner, like I'm I'm responsible ultimately if something goes wrong, and I think that's huge in this situation with 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 taxes and advisory. Like sometimes you don't get it all right. Like, yes, you provide your best scenario with, with the facts are given, but there are, there are times where, you know, you provide a scenario, you give them two options and like you, you want the client to decide and, and maybe they pick with the one that was less beneficial for them and they blame you for it. Yeah. It's like, okay, like I I'll take responsibility for that. I, I should have, I should have pushed you in one direction over the other. And, you know, so just at whatever cost being responsible, taking responsibility for things that that go bad or good 
if if it goes in that direction. And that really helps with, especially within a company, when you have multiple employees and multiple owners, mm-hmm. you're not pointing fingers, you're not taking, you're not pointing the blame. You like you expect people to, when when something is their fault, to step up and and take responsibility for it. So that avoids a lot of a lot of stress within the company internally and externally. Like we'll, we'll admit if we, if we do something wrong, like we'll admit to clients, like, yeah, we, we, we messed up here. Um, and we'll, we'll remediate as best we can. Um, instead of dancing around it, you know, trying to cover it up, just, just owning it. So extreme ownership is, is a huge one and definitely has made a big impact on, on how we operate. It alleviates a lot of stress too, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, it does. I think at first it's a little, it's a little intimidating, obviously, because nobody likes to admit they're wrong or admit something is their fault. So I, yeah, at first it's, I'd say it's more stressful. But yes, over time, once you, once you get used to it, it it starts to definitely alleviate that stress. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Aaron, can can you describe uh, a particularly challenging um, client scenario uh, that you may have encountered in the past? Um, and how you and your team successfully navigated it to achieve the desired outcome. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple that come to mind, so I'm trying to to decide okay. what, what we can edit out. So okay, about the delay. So yeah. And or not, that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, so one scenario that comes to mind uh, this past year is a client who came to us who was involved in real estate, which is not uncommon um, for the, the type of people we work with. Multiple real estate properties and transactions from from the prior year that did not go so well. Um, well, I should say they didn't go so well then. They they were reported incorrectly in the previous year and they, they came to us to, to, to appropriately fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that we had a, um, a, a contractor. Uh, and let me, sorry, let me try to think of a, a better way to phrase this. Um, yeah, we had a part in, in, uh, in intern. That's, I don't know why that was one that come to mind. So we had an intern um, help us with kind of navigate us through this tax situation and, and take a first pass on it. And um, he ended up recommending something back to the client that was not quite correctly and it caused a little bit of strife with the client. So this is where extreme ownership comes into play is, is you know, ultimately I, I was responsible for the things that this um, intern had mentioned to the client that wasn't quite correct. So that was something that we, you know, I had a discussion and we were able to resolve it internally just fine. Um, and externally, you know, I think standing and taking, taking that ownership and, and you know, addressing that it was something that we could have done better is um, I think that, that was a lot of internal strife there that could have gone very poorly that we were able to manage well. Um, but from the, from the client's perspective, it, it was, um, you know, it was a, a difficult situation at first, but I think, all in all, having those core values of extreme ownership really helped us alleviate a lot of things that could have gone worse there. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, how do you measure the success of your services for your clients?
and we can skip that one if you want. It's okay. I've got plenty more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I have a great answer for that one. So we'll go ahead and do a pass on that one. Okay. All right, good. Well, how do you how do you personally uh define success for yourself? That's yeah, that's a great question. So for me, um I think success can definitely be defined differently in every scenario. And the one off the top of your head comes to, to wealth, like, you, you know, how much wealth you've amassed or what's your status in your job. I think those, that's how we, I think most of us kind of view success at the surface level. Um, how much, how much money do you make? Where are you living? What's your job status? What's your family situation? Those, those external factors. Um, I think for me, it's, getting to the end of my life and not necessarily having having wealth having status it's it's knowing that i didn't leave anything on the table um within each area of my life so i have you know for me four important things in my life is is faith family health and and my career those are kind of four i guess pillars if you will in my life and of course there are there are benchmarks i want i want to achieve in each of those areas but the goals I've set for each of those are goals I, I know I can attain. They're not things that, you know, outside factors can't um, affect. So, you know, with, with my career, for example, my goal is not to be making, you know, 15, $20 million a year. That's something I can't necessarily control. I can do habits to get there, but mm -hmm. in the end, I don't have control over that. So what, what I do have a control over though is, being the best business owner I can possibly be to my clients and to my um, to my employees. And I have different metrics I have set for that, but that's that's a metric I can control and I know I can check at the end of the day, did I do this or not? So within those four pillars, I actually have like a, a, a spreadsheet. I'm This is kind of my CPA brain coming in. It's, I have a spreadsheet with these four pillars and I have goals within each of those pillars of things I want, like habits I want to do every single day. So it, they start out with like 20 year goals and then 10 year goals. And I have broken them down into daily habits to ultimately achieve those goals. And I know if I'm just doing these habits every single day that, you know, at the end of my life, I'll, I'll feel okay that, that I, I have succeeded. Like maybe I didn't hit this certain benchmark of, uh, of wealth, maybe I didn't hit this benchmark of status or have this many followers or whatever metric that we often look at. But I know if I'm doing those things every single day and I'm laying on my deathbed, whether that's in five days or 50 years, I can look back and know, okay, I, I did everything I intended to do. I, I, I feel content. I, I feel I achieved success. So I think that that's what it is, is to me is just knowing I, I didn't leave anything on the table. Kudos. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, is there anything that you would like to discuss that I haven't brought up? Um, let me think. Uh, I mean, I don't know on my end if there is. I, I don't know. I don't know if these in these conversations is if there's frequently back and forth about getting into into your side of things at all or. How how does that like? This is all about you. questions. Okay. About you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, one thing I think one thing that we maybe can touch on is is how we really differentiate ourselves is is kind of how we 
operate the firm and, the, and kind of the reason I decided to start, I guess, the CPA firm in the first place. Like, and we, um, trying to think of like what I guess what the question would be. Just like I guess how how the differentiation between our CPA firm and and other other CPAs. That's I think something that um, is very unique in our scenario compared to others. So maybe that's something we could we could touch on. Sure, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. So I think one thing that oopsies. <laughs> You're okay. Too loud and your microphone. Um, I think one thing that our one thing that um we like to do differently with our CPA firm, and I alluded to this earlier, complaints about previous CPAs. A lot of times, CPAs aren't known to be very proactive. They aren't known to um, be very relational, um, and that's one I think downfall of of the industry. And one thing we we try to eliminate that by being very intentional, being very proactive and, and being hands-on with clients. So one thing we've kind of developed is having, we do all, we do most of our stuff virtually, um, which not everybody likes, but it actually does provide us the opportunity to be more hands-on and be more engaging and interactive. So we actually do everything. We have like a client portal that we do everything through and we are able to have um, monthly or quarterly touch points with all of our clients. And that's something that they have, you know, really appreciated, especially with the tax preparation side, rather than just them handing in their physical documents and getting their refund or their payment check at the end of the year. Um, you know, they upload their documents, we'll, we'll prepare the return, send them updates along the way. And then we sit down on a video call with them at the, at the end, we walk them through the, the tax return, show them everything that we took advantage of, all the tax credits that they took advantage of and, um, and things that they couldn't do and explain really the why behind it. Most people don't get that insight um, the, from, from who does their taxes. And, you know, I think anybody, everybody has to pay taxes. And I think you should understand what's, what you're doing, what you're paying. So that's something we try to be intentional about is sitting down, walking them through and just make sure they're, they're crystal clear on, on what they're paying on, make sure they don't have any questions and um, just fully understanding the situation and especially on the tax advisory side when we're we are explaining these complex topics we want them to understand it um, fully and not just to take our word for it but really be able to understand the process and, and the the why behind what we're, we're recommending so yeah. i think that's something that a lot of um, other practices are I don't, frankly don't have the time for i think that's something we've seen people these you know it's it's such a cpas are more of a um there's a lot less now than, than there were before it's it's kind of a big exit and a big departure in the industry right now a lot of cpas are retiring right now and a lot of new people aren't wanting to enter the the field um it's a you have to essentially do five years of college and then you have to take this very challenging exam so very few people are wanting to enter the world of becoming a CPA and a lot are exiting. So there is a big shortage, meaning that CPA firms are extremely busy. They don't have much time to, to, to work with clients. So they kind of just crank them through the door in and out as quick as possible and don't spend much time with them. And there's been a lot of frustrations with that. Yeah. I, I, uh, in my, in my, all my years in, in my business, I, uh, I've noticed that, uh, you know, um, number one, uh, my business as well as yours uh, over time has, has started to become more and more commoditized. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, a lot of people can just jump and go buy a soft little software package each year and do their taxes. Okay. Right. Um, so it's becoming more commoditized, but uh, in that same vein, it, it, it causes, it, it's almost good that maybe uh, that's a benefit to someone like yourself uh, who's young, uh, who works with business owners and adds a lot of value. Um and you're working with them almost, you know, basically all year long. So when it comes down to tax time, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Exactly. Or, yeah. A lot, a lot more simple, I would think. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great. Yeah. It definitely tax preparation has turned into a commodity. I mean, there's these huge firms like, you know, HR Block or TurboTax, where whether the taxpayer is doing the tax prep themselves or somebody else is doing it for like, you know, two, three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it's like it, that's a commodity. And that's where the the tax advisory comes into play where it is much more hands-on where we're deeply involved into your financial situation and taking advantage of things that these other you know big box tax preparation practices like they simply can't do it's they're it's they're trying to get people in and out the door as quickly as possible so they don't have time to get to know your unique situation so yeah, when you do and you come to tax time, it's super easy. You've already you already know everything. You already have most of the documents. So doing the tax preparation at that point, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely comes a lot easier at that point. You know, as a young man, I mean, you've had you've had your levels of success already. But as a young man, uh, what's your, been your biggest challenge? I think I, you know, I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but deciding what what things to to um, go all in on, what things to turn your attention to. I think early on, especially as you're you're starting the business, you do have to wear so many different hats. You're wearing the marketing hat, the finance hat, operations, client service. There's so many different hats you can use, and it can be hard to know where to spend your time. So that's something early on that we really had to be intentional with is, is deciding what, where are our efforts best spent? And, you know, at what point do you hire somebody to do something? Right? Like at what point do you pay someone to help with your marketing or pay someone to help with your bookkeeping? So there's, there's a million different decisions you have to make on a daily basis. So learning to make the, the big decisions, you know, really, I guess all decisions, learning to make decisions quickly, I think, is is a big thing that has been helpful for me. I think I used to sit on these decisions for days and days and and weigh all the pros and cons. And that's definitely important in some scenarios. But when you're running and managing a businesses and you're wearing that many hats, there are so many decisions you need to make on a daily basis. So look, understanding which ones are important, um, what 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 are identifying the big decisions from the small decisions, and for those small decisions, make those quick. I think you can waste a lot of time sitting on those small things when in the grand scheme of things, they're not going to make a big impact. Um, And then, you know, identifying those bigger decisions and spending more efforts there as opposed to the small things. So I think that's something that I really struggle with the first, the first six months or so. Um, A lot of time was spent on those smaller things that I didn't realize. I think that's something I identify now and I'm, much better at, at knowing which is which and, and learning to where to best spend my efforts. 
Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And you know, you've already mentioned, you know, what sets your team, your CPA team uh, apart from uh, other firms in the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, winding down here, uh, could you tell me, you know, again, or maybe uh, add some additional uh, comments on mm -hmm. who is your perfect client? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So I, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, I don't know if prideful is the right word, but people like working with people who are similar to themselves. Like it's, you have things you can relate to. I think that getting back to the relational and the personal side, when you're working with somebody who is in the same walk of life as you, it's mm -hmm. easy to engage with them and interact with them. So um, people who are in their thirties and forties, who, who have a young family, who have, who are business owners, people uh, in that realm, those are people I can, I can relate to. I can feel the pain, you know, they, have kids and are trying to manage business at the same time. It's hard. It's very challenging. I'm going through that right now. So somebody else is going through that. It's easy to empathize with yeah. them. So I'd say people, yeah, people in their um, millennials, I'd say would be, you know, that, that age range um, who are business owners, who have family, who, who value family and value um, personal wellness, personal development. And, you know, they, they care to grow their business, but they also mostly care about, um, personal development, their family, their wife, their kids, and, um, being able, it, it just, it makes that relational side so much easier to connect with. So I think that would be, uh, that would fall along the spectrum of a, of a perfect client. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, um, you know, uh, we're, we're about done here, uh, I, I guess. And, uh, I know your contact information is at the bottom of the screen, but you, would you mind telling our audience, uh, uh, where they can go to learn more about you? Yeah, so I spend on uh, in terms of social media, I am on uh, actively on LinkedIn, um, Aaron Craft CPA, and I am on uh, Instagram. The tag there is Profit with Aaron, and um, yeah, that our website luminarycpa.com is also another great place to get our you know our phone number and our email. So any of those sources would be a great place to uh, follow along. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, Aaron, I, I've really enjoyed having you on the show today. Uh, I love uh, doing these, especially uh, with younger entrepreneurs, uh, because it's, it, it gives a fresh insight uh, to the stuff I've been doing, uh, you know, for some 47 years. And I hope yes. it does the same for our listeners. So um, everybody, you know, we were glad to have uh, uh, Aaron with us today. Uh, you know, I'm your host, Terry DuPont, Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. And remember, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. So thanks for joining this week and uh, check us next week. Thank you. This has been the Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success podcast. If you have questions about creating tax-free wealth and income, forward-looking tax mitigation, strategic risk mitigation, wealth preservation and legacy planning, and advanced financial management, go to dupontadvisory.com or email terry at dupontadvisory.com. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.